Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I am Ross Hillier, your host, and I am really excited to bring you today's episode with Richard Love, also known as Exit Comfort Zone on Instagram and TikTok. If you've ever seen his accounts, there's no mistaking Richard and what he's doing on Instagram and the way that he does it on Instagram and TikTok, although I don't have TikTok. Self-admittedly, I probably won't ever, but... Um, he has a pretty massive audience over there, apparently. So uh, if you're coming here from TikTok, thank you. I appreciate you listening to the show. And uh, I was really excited to get to talk to him. We have a mutual friend in Akira Van Egmond who was back on the show in uh, January. And so Akira made the introduction for the two of us to get to know each other a bit and hop on the pod and chat. And I was really excited for this because he approaches fitness in a very cool way, presents it in a very cool way and uh, has been crushing it with his coaching and his work that he's been doing lately. And I, I just wanted to get to know more about him. And so this was a really cool conversation kind of diving into, you know, how he became the way he presents himself. And it really makes a lot of sense when you listen to the first part of this episode. And we talk a lot about his time in the Swedish Arctic Rangers. And that is, and I told him this, it's probably one of my favorite names for a special forces unit that I've ever heard. It just sounds so awesome. Um, but he has some really cool stories about how that shaped a lot of what he does. And uh, then he, you know, he moved to the United States. He has a hilarious story about me, how he met his wife and his now wife. And uh, it was just a very, help, it was very helpful and a very 
uh, very insightful episode and in, in motivating to work hard and better yourself. And I think you guys are really going to get a lot out of this. And, you know, if you follow him, you get a lot of this type of stuff uh, on the regular. But what I, you know, I was really excited to dive into some of the things that he doesn't really, you know, put out there on his Instagram and in his other social media platforms about his past and his history and, and get to know, you know, kind of what became or why he is the way that he is. And, and it was really just fun conversation. So uh, before we dive into the actual episode, if you want to go check out the Nomad Strength Show Patreon, we have a Patreon account. And uh, in that we have an extra bonus episode uh, of the podcast every week that is just for patrons called Unplugged. That's one that's been a really fun thing to do uh, since we started this thing. I'm going to have some merch discounts, some other things, and just a little bit more community over there. So go check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes. And uh, also, if you haven't done so yet, please like, rate, review, subscribe, do all of those things. Every little bit of it helps on these podcasts. And uh, thank you a ton to those that have already. I really appreciate you all. We're like eight, almost 18 months into this thing, and it's just been it's been a wild ride, and we're not stopping anytime soon. So thank you again for all of you who have already done so. So without further ado, let's dive into the episode and exit your comfort zone with my man, Richard Love. And I'm looking straight into the camera here. Yep. Perfect. All right. We are live. I am with Richard Love. How are you doing today, my friend? I am as great as you look. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. There you go. <laughs> um, we were uh, we were connected by a mutual friend, uh, actually a former guest on the podcast as well, Akira. Um, one of the one of it was funny. I was I actually sent him the message of what you had sent me after I told you that he was one of the most downloaded episodes I had, and then you messaged me like, "Oh, I'm going to come after that number one spot," and I sent that to him, and he thought it was hilarious. Most. Most definitely. I'm not letting that guy win in any form of uh, life. <laughs> Although he's, he's way ahead of me in so many aspects of life, you know, strength wise and uh, mindset wise. So yeah, I, I'm just teasing him a little bit. <laughs> he's great, man. Uh, I, I really enjoy him. And it's cool that you guys are, are close because um, I, I, yes. I can't remember if it was through him or, or through somebody else that I initially came across your page. Um, but I, I mean, I've been following for, for several months now and just, I really love the page that you do. And and the thing that attracted me the Thank most you. was the use of all the unconventional tools that I use. Cause I don't see a ton of people do a lot of stuff with them the way that you do them. And so things like the, um, the maces and the clubs and you yes. the sandbag stuff. And that's like right up my wheelhouse, man. So I was, I was oh, to like start following what you were doing. Yes. Awesome. Um, so as we as we get into, I'm 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 really wanting to know a little bit about your your journey into kind of where you are right now because oftentimes I've found that people don't always start with the unconventional stuff. It's usually by failing and 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 doing a lot of other things that that end up sometimes resulting in injury or all these other like journeys that take them and then they discover a lot of these tools as sort of a healing thing. Is that Yes. Similar to how you came across a lot of this stuff? I would say if we back things up a little bit, when I was 17, 18 years of age, I um, 
I joined the military service in the northern part of Sweden, which basically means that you learn how to operate behind enemy lines, but in an Arctic environment. Mm. So we're talking cold, cold as fuck and uh, dark as hell and just miserable overall. And prior to that, I was playing basketball. I was very active as a kid, like majority of us who are, I'm turning 39, year, uh, 39 years old now. And... Um, Growing up during the 80s and 90s, I mean, we were constantly outdoors playing sports and whatnot. So it wasn't like rare that you were doing multiple types of sports and participating sure. in all kinds of athletic events taking place outdoors, right? So I felt like I had a great foundation when I started to, you know, nail it down to be able to play basketball, which was one of the greatest things that I uh, wanted to focus on. Mm -hmm. You know, we started to do some training inside of the gym, um, learning how to do deadlift squats, um, snatches and all that great stuff. And I felt so powerful learning more about how my body worked in more ways than one. Mm -hmm. But at that age, from 15 to 17, 18 years of, of age, I also was very focused on looking a certain way. You wanted to, you know, look like the guys who were older than you who have already started to train quite a bit inside of the gym, you know? So there's always this, this reference. What I'm grateful for that I didn't have that majority of 15 to 20 years, um, 20 years old kids have nowadays is the social media presence. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have social media portraying an image constantly of how a man should look like, how a woman should look like, what happiness looks like, what fitness looks like. So none of that. We were, I was saved from all of that. I mean, yeah. Looking back at it, I'm definitely feeling like, like as if I was saved. Um, so joining the military service, I greatly had a paradigm shift. I started to realize like, I do not know shit. And here I am thinking that I'm 17, 18 years old and I got my shit figured out. Like my mom and dad have no clue. You know, I know I've been away on, on one trip down to Greece already, you know, like I've had this and this experience, but you know, looking back in, in hindsight, you know, you have no clue and I still have zero clue about so many aspects of life, you know? Right. Uh, but at that very moment, um, I was introduced to more mental types of challenges. Mm. Like it's one thing to be able to run a 10K flat. Okay, up there, there are no flat grounds. It's all hills and whatnot. Yeah. And to be able to run a 10K in terrain when you're also sleep deprived, when you're food deprived, and when you're overall scared about what how that next steps look like because we had zero control of our daily life. That was all handed over to the officers that were in charge. Like, this is what you guys are going to accomplish now. And, oh, you haven't eaten well, too bad. You know, sometimes life doesn't provide you with the full set of a buffet table. There was so many lessons and, and experiences that I was, I'm glad and I'm grateful that I received that early on in life. Mm. Um, so with that being said, that quest, when I did finish graduating and becoming an Arctic Ranger, there was a constant quest 
quest ever since that day to learn and be open to learn new things here in life, whatever that might be, because I have no fucking clue about how certain things works and feels when I am food deprived, sleep deprived, or when I'm fully rested and I pick up one of those long black sticks with a ball on the uh, on the head on the edge. Like, what the fuck is this thing? But the curiosity and realization that I do not know shit. I do not know a lot of things about myself. Let's fucking explore. Hence the name Exit Comfort Zone. Yes. I love that. And I, I want to actually ask you a little bit about your service because the title Arctic Ranger sounds like the most badass title of <laughs> like I could think of when you said it. So, uh, and I'm curious just in, in, in other countries, how a lot of times services is different than how it is here in the States and stuff. So, I mean, are you right. committing to a certain amount of time when you sign up and, and like how long was, was your service that you were a part of? Very good question. So I can say from when I uh, wanted to join the military service, it wasn't it wasn't mandatory. This have come and it has been mandatory and now it's not mandatory all based upon the political parties currently in charge in Sweden, right? So at that time it wasn't mandatory and I wanted to do something that was the most like challenging for me at the time. And there was two options. The first option was to kind of try out for a similar type of marine slash navy seal like in that type of region sure um, and I f- and I failed my first test there, there was a test day where I was supposed to you know run a 10k sub 50 minutes and we haven't we hadn't slept great the night before and everybody was super nervous um, you gathered in with kids from all over Sweden and all of them are there to get those 25 to 50 um, positions available and we were like 300 kids so it's very competitive and I at that time I was able to run a, a 10k super super fast but at that very moment I realized I am not good when I'm being put on the test like this mm. holy shit so I came in at like 52 minutes and was immediately cut off and I sat down there right next to the finishing line and the officer was like you know Richard you you can proceed in that direction you're no longer part of this uh, test week and I'm like holy shit I fucking failed and I have been smooth sailing my you know my teenage years being great at basketball always amongst the most fit individuals but I failed I was like I did not meet this 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 low fairly low type of fitness requirement so I'm like I gotta get my shit together hopefully hopefully I get a new chance to join the Arctic Ranger test week and um, that realization just kicked my ass so hard like okay you gotta get the shit together so the next coming weeks when I did get accepted to be able to try out for the Arctic Ranger division I trained without sleeping for 24 hours straight um, I went and you know I ran with an extra backpack on I'm like okay really like are you gonna give up now and I tried to just push myself to simulate what could potentially come that test week was even more challenging because now all of a sudden it was 400 people that wanted to apply for 25 to 50 uh, spots available wow. so it was it was really 
humbling, but I was able to pass that initial test and was uh, granted access to join a 18 months um, course, basically. And throughout that entire year, you can choose to get the fuck out if you want to, or the officers in charge say, you know what, you're not eligible enough, you have injuries, or you're mentally not, not there. But what many people don't understand is that the officers themselves, they don't need to be so rigid and harsh and screaming on the top of their lungs in your face. They know that by the time you are food deprived, um, the darkness kicks in in January, February, where the sun doesn't come above the horizon for an entire month. Those types of challenges brought to you naturally will kind of select and navigate and filter out sure. many of us. Sure. So that's a little bit of a yeah. background. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool because there's some there's just being in in a in such a different part of the world too. There's so many different ways of challenging recruits that like, I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of the same processes you hear out here, it's just, uh, you know, it's buds weeks and, but they're down in on the beaches in California, you know, there's, yes. there, it's still extremely difficult. And through that whole process is extremely selective. It's a, a incredibly low pass through rate for, for, for SEAL teams and buds and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Definitely. you're talking about doing things where like the, like you said, the sun is hardly ever even up for most of the day. Like there's, there's just other things that I had never even considered as far as what you would deal with in a different part of the world, just even with nature being involved. Right. It was the most surreal and crazy experience because in June opposite to January, mm -hmm. the sun never sets. So you have the Wild. entire month of June where the sun is constantly above your head, where you have to black out in order for you to get sleep. But that also had us, we, we joined in, um, I think May 1st was after school and graduating high school and whatnot. May 1st was the starting day and you begin building up your physical body to be able to handle the backpack and um, a weapon and slowly physically and mentally adapting to the new type of situation and also becoming disciplined like like all 17 18 years old kids back then you know we weren't really disciplined we weren't rigid to be able to be up at a certain time every single day and make our bed perfectly and all that stuff that the military teaches you but compared to now i feel like it's like a night and day like people don't leave their phone like discipline is a very rare um how do you say like a property within a lot of us nowadays even so kids yeah yeah it's it's one of those things where when you when you speak to former military there's a different word association with discipline than even just people who you know maybe were brought up in a disciplined environment growing up, but I mean, it's, it's a, yes. really a different level altogether when you have any type of military service to that, just because everything is so regimented and, and every minute of your life is controlled right. by something. And so, um, when, did you do any, uh, like foreign deployments or, or what was kind of like your, your service time, like post the acceptance and, and training period for that? That's a good question. So I was, I graduated at, uh, you know, high grades and whatnot, and I really fell in love with the whole new understanding of who I am and who I can become, like with this constant quest and constant challenge, like being able to accomplish things when 
and hard physical tasks when you are you know challenged to the extent that we have been i felt like i was invincible no not invincible invisible no invincible there you go okay Swedish and English mixed together. We had that swinglish again. Swinglish. <laughs> Sorry to all listeners now. Hopefully there's a lot of listeners tuning in from Sweden. They can perfectly relate to everything I'm saying here. <laughs> Everyone else needs to listen to this more than once, right? Um, so I, I, I was basically... I was out of the military and I received a phone call. And I was... Currently, together with my my um, girlfriend at the time, we were abroad and laying by the pool and having a good time. And I received this phone call asking about if I wanted to join the Arctic Range Division as they headed down to Afghanistan. And on the spot, I said, absolutely, yes. You know, now I'm 21 years of age, still not thinking perfectly straight, right? But still, like, I made a decision on the spot, didn't even... Um, consult with my girlfriend at the time, which completely ruined the entire rest of that vacation. Anyhow, Afghanistan was next. So three months later, I boarded a airplane that headed straight down to Istanbul, Turkey, and then from Istanbul straight to Kabul in Afghanistan. Wow, that's uh, it. And I imagine, um, because one of the things I was really surprised about as it relates to Afghanistan specifically, um, because I have a, a handful of friends who, who have done several uh deployments over there um, yes where i live in in idaho there's there's some mountain ranges that are only a couple hours away from where i am that a lot of military drills actually take place because of how similar it is to the landscape in afghanistan and i mean that's, definitely. and and so that was something i just didn't even think about because you what you hear about afghanistan is essentially like it's the desert what you know like that's how right it's, that's how it's portrayed and it's not like that at all and so i imagine like probably Probably coming from from Sweden too, like it was act, probably not super dissimilar in terms of in terms of landscape when you got there, right? You're absolutely right. There was the snow is still as as nasty in Sweden as it is in Afghanistan. Like I hate snow and a story. Uh, <laughs> hence, I living in Miami, Miami here. No, but it's it, everything becomes more challenging in the cold and with snow. That's just the the bottom line. Um, but it was perfect to have a Arctic Ranger Division take place in the Hindukush Mountain Range, which is the one that goes through Afghanistan. Um, so we were oftentimes teamed up with uh, U.S. Special Forces to, you know, execute different kinds of missions and whatnot. But in general, we had a pretty smooth sailing when I was there. Um, I was in the northern part of Afghanistan, and it wasn't as bad as it later became. Um, So the few incidents that we had wasn't like, wow. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, So post, now that that you're, you're out of of military life and where does where does continuing on with with training and fitness and then and then ultimately coaching like you're doing now right how did that transition sort of happen was that just something that was always in the background even during military service and then you're out and you just kind of continued with it or was there steps in between that and and what you're doing now 
That's a good question. I feel as if when I decided to retire from the military, and this was due to a lot of different reasons, I realized when you are in a war situation, it's perhaps the most gruesome and horrible experience, and it's not as glorified as many people are trying to make it. You know, like today's society is like, you know, he's a soldier, war is good, and all that great stuff. I believe that you can't fight for peace, um, but you can't also have peace if certain types of ideology is constantly clashing. But in reality, fighting for peace, it's inevitably going to fail in one way or the other. I didn't like being, I valued my life so much, seeing other people lose their lives left to right. I'm like, fuck, I, I am, I understand the concept of being the spearhead of the nation and everything that you are, I wouldn't say brainwashed, but you are told constantly like you're carrying out this very important mission. But in reality, once you're there, nobody gives a fuck. You know, you're just there fighting for your own fucking ability to survive, you know? And I felt like I had done that too many times and I value my life so fucking hard. And I do believe today that I serve mankind in a much greater way than I did back then, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. So once I had retired, I'm like, I'm going to continue this quest. Can I run ultra marathons? Um, yes, I can. Okay, perfect. I'll do it again next year and I'll do it again the following year after that. What else can I do? This constant desire to learn new things about my mental and physical capacity that kept on going so i was back in stockholm in sweden the capital of sweden and i took a regular civilian job with you know becoming a sales um salesman and you know working for different companies and whatnot but it was never really like fulfilling me and aligning me with my my past and i felt that like i was good at certain aspects of it but to be out there and really like test your body and mind on a, on a constant like i felt like that could be something that i could coach others but i didn't do anything about it until two of my friends and myself from afghanistan that we've been together in the same unit we decided to go to um head on a, on a boys trip to Miami basically and have a good time here mm -hmm. well three days into this two weeks um, of, a, of, a, of a guy's trip to Miami I spot because I'm very good with you know being able to see everywhere and everything yeah. I noticed this amazing woman at the hotel that we were staying at in the front desk so i'm like i just have to go up and you know say something to her i have three seconds the three second rule number one you know you have to get your ass up otherwise it's going to pass and no you're not looking good and no you're most likely not smelling fantastic but you know time is up you should be there so all of a sudden i find myself in front of this gorgeous goddess and the first thing that comes out of my mouth and i'm so Sorry for this, my dear Kellyanne to wife. The first thing that I said, oh, hi. Because uh, remember, I was shocked. All of a sudden, I was there because, you know, taking action. And I told her, I just wanted to see if you looked as beautiful in the front as you did from behind. <laughs> 
So she was like, I'm sorry, you know, like, what did you say? Like, still being so genuinely nice and, you know, welcoming to this stranger that just dropped the weirdest comment in front of her. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I wonder if you have a, um, a yoga program. And she's like, yes, most definitely. Here, Here's the yoga program. What kind of yoga are you into? And I was like, I didn't know that there was more than one type of yoga I'm thinking in my mind, you know. So very black and white coming from the military. I had no idea about the the spiritual and the grounding aspect, but I felt that not only was she extremely gorgeous, but she also had this energy where I felt like it was my, to some extent, my polar opposite. Mm, You know, like here we have this calm taking her time speaking and I'm like very military da, 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 like it's black yeah. and white what I see is what I see what I feel is what I feel and here we have layers to our existence I'm like what <laughs> so after that initial you know uh, making a fool of myself I come to a great uh, amount of question where I asked where she was from which is perhaps a normal question to ask in an interaction <laughs> with a, 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 a stranger or a, a beautiful woman right <laughs> and it turns out that she said that she's from Trinidad and Tobago and one of my friends in Stockholm in Sweden he is from Trinidad and Tobago as well and we had been during the how do you say this in English when you are about to go out and have a party but you're having a party at home before like the pregame like a pre-game, it's called a pre-game <laughs> or pre-party, okay. So him and I, he is coming back from the carnival in Trinidad, and we're putting in a DVD, because you know social media wasn't big at that time either, sure. putting in a DVD, and we're watching like the, the, the compilation of beautiful butts and feathers and rum, all in a beautiful mix. So I'm like, I know Trinidad and Tobago when she said that she was from there, right? So I'm like, I know how to wine. I know that you guys have a carnival. And she's like, okay, this guy is absolutely crazy. From the first comment dropped to now talking about how he can wine in a carnival in my home country, there was a lot of things there. So that that transpired to make a very long story shorter. I realized that I have fallen in love so hard um, and this was big game hunting for me now happening because, you know, she was a little hesitant, you know, so uh, I traveled back to Stockholm and it was February 18th. I never forget this. This is the coldest month of the entire year in Sweden. So I landed in and I'm like, mom, dad. I have met someone that I truly love already, and they're like, "Oh, that's 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 good, Richard. You know, you're just coming back. You know, it's a little fling, whatnot." I'm like, "No, you guys don't understand." Like I, and then we had a conversation. We constantly kept on talking on Skype back then um, to get to know each other, and then we both decided after going back and forth to Miami um, that we were going to give each other a shot. We were going to give us a chance. So I moved over from Sweden into her beautiful apartment and I have not regretted that once. Now, if you ask her, she may have, you know, a few <laughs> second thoughts, but that's, she's not part of this podcast right now. Hey, I'm, talking <laughs> I'm talking to me. I'm talking to me. talking to me. Oh, that's so funny. So she had already, you know, done all 
the preparation here in Miami. She had uh, contacted a great gym um, and a personal trainer that, you know, there's a guy from Sweden. He's a former Arctic Ranger. He's coming over here with all this great military experience and he's going to start training people. She had laid the ground perfectly. Um, I don't have a, um, you know, immigration story that is super hard. You know, I came here via boat yeah. or a Viking ship over the Atlantic and I, you know, none of that. She had laid the ground perfectly for me from day one. Um, so we transitioned into this beautiful team where her more grounded self and spiritual self and, you know, offering yoga together with my more um, physical training, you know, sure. that type of that type of teamwork was what we wanted to start to offer for a clientele. So that progressed now 13 years later where we are today. We've been doing this type of offering this type of service now for, for 13 years, more or less. That's really cool. And how, how much of it has been uh, in the online space? Like, were you guys doing most of this locally in Miami for a while and then branched out and started doing more of the online thing? After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That is mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Okay, so that's also a good question. I am, I'm very much of a soldier still. Like I can do the same thing over and over again, bang my head against the wall until there's a, there's an opening, right? Yeah. She sees the bigger picture. She is incredible in seeing the vision. So she established already before the pandemic, like Richard, we need to be a little bit more online based so we can help more people, so we can connect with more savages out there. So she basically set the destination, I set the sale, and where we are today is with a much greater uh, presence and we're building the savage army on a daily basis with new members around the world and we're becoming a global fucking force. And, and with that, I'm glad you brought like the actual program up. Cause that was one of the things I wanted to, to ask you about as well. And I, first of all, the name I love, and that's because 
the the men's coaching group that I do programming and coaching and all that for. I, yes, we've named that group the Savages for a couple of years now, and just it's kind of like our own little thing. And so <clears throat> when I saw that, that's what like your whole thing is. I'm like, yeah, me and me and Richard are gonna get along. Okay. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so so with this program, uh, I because I, I was kind of perusing through how you uh, how you set it up because you have like you still do individual coaching, you do like the larger group uh, programming as well. Um, do you guys kind of in tandem do things together for the entire group or is it more of a, here's the training thing, but if you want some of the other stuff, now you go over to my wife. Like how do you guys usually blend this together, uh, for one sort of cohesive unit? Right. That's a good question. So when we have been working with clients here in Miami on a one-on-one basis, mm-hmm. each client works with us together as one unit. So they have part of the sessions being only coaching and guidance and like raising spiritual awareness basically within sure. each and every individual, which is so fucking important. So she's been handling all tough areas from a mental and spiritual perspective. And I feel like, you know, from a physical standpoint it's pretty easy you know like let's fucking go like let's go all out you know like so that duality has really been very attractive for a lot of our clients that we have had in person so as of now um we still offer both of our services and everything that we are about in a way that is coming together so beautifully with everything from, um, you know, setting different kinds of intentions and working with law manifestation and just spirituality overall. There's so much to learn about that. So majority of our Savage Army members, they have only got to see one side of what we offer, which is the training as of now. But what we're introducing is also guided meditation on a weekly basis so each and every one of our Savage Army members they get both three high volume training sessions every single week they get access to tutorial videos on how to use the Savage 5 tools like we spoke about initially the unconventional but still conventional tools such as the Gada or the Mace Bell the Indian Steel Club the Kettlebell the Sandbags and the Savage Rings so those two tools the Savage Sandbag and the Savage Rings are something that my wife and I manufacture and sell which is our own um, and then we collaborate with the great uh, partner who provides the kettlebell steel club and the maze bell so they will also now our members will also receive guided meditations on a weekly basis as well so there's a lot of things that's becoming yeah. like a wholesome approach yeah and that was actually kind of the the more holistic uh version of it was kind of what i was seeing uh as you guys are doing this together and yes. the the sandbag part of it, I want to talk about because there are like, man, and, and I nerded out with Akira on kettlebells for like over an hour, just talking just about kettlebells basically. Yes. And so, uh, so with you though, with the sandbags, because that is one of the oh, light just turned off. That is one of the things that I think have been one of the most impactful implements that I have started using in, in the last, like maybe it's probably been five or six years now since I really started like getting into them. And, and, and I say this like heavy sandbags, right? Because there are, uh, there are people, and it's the same thing with kettlebells. Like people grab kettlebells and they'll just grab really light ones and they just do same dumbbell presses. And I'm like, let's, let's look at this differently. Right. The, there is yes. massive amounts of actual strength to be built that you cannot achieve 
with a barbell or, or more traditional methods, uh, just because of the nature of the implement and sandbags being the one that just like really kind of opened my eyes to a lot of stuff with, uh, you always, I've heard that. I don't know if you've heard the saying like 200 pounds is 200 pounds, right? It's always going to feel like 200 pounds. And I'm like, no, it's not. Cause 200 pounds on a barbell is, uh, is so incredibly different than two yes. than a 200 pound sandbag and in a 200 pound sandbag will break you in ways that like yes. you were you were not prepared for but prior to that i i agree with you wholeheartedly and i have a funny story about that as well i have a lot of stories i'm, a, I'm not a storyteller but <laughs> damn i just have these coming right so <laughs> when we this is also one of my wife's ideas. Um, I may be good looking, but I'm definitely not smart. Um, so she was like, Richard, once again, step outside of your soldier thinking of banging your head against the wall. You can do yeah. so much uh, more uh, within the field of fitness. You should look into a product that you truly vibe with that can definitely challenge you. And I'm like, you know what? I have tried working with sandbags in the past and I remember how fucking brutal it was and how humbled I got. Let's look into that furthermore. So after we've established uh, different types of manufacturing, we tried multiple different kinds of sandbags and we went with the ones that we are now currently still with. I'm like, okay, finally, I'm gonna fill this bad boy up. I'm gonna go to the beach and I'm gonna start working out with it, right? And this was during the very, very beginning of the pandemic, right okay. when all inventory of all types of fitness tools were just like yeah. out of stock, right? Yeah. So even here in Miami, the very first thing that the government decided to do uh, was to close off the beach. Yep. So no citizen could access the beach, right? Which now looking back at it, it's like, wow, what the fuck? Uh, anyhow. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm going to fill up one of our sandbags on the beach. I'm going to do it quick. I'm going to jump over the barricade and get the fuck out, right? So I'm 95% done with filling up the 150-pound savage sandbag. And I don't, I'm not a power lifter, but I can deadlift, you know, my max is 525 pounds. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm pretty fucking strong. 95% filled up the sandbag. And then there's a police officer that shows up on one of those ATVs. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. You need to leave the beach right now. You jump the barricade. This is not allowed. We'll be able to find you if you stay here for a little bit long. I was like, sir, I, you are absolutely right. I made a mistake. It's just that I have the sandbag here and I'm so happy that we now have workout tools accessible to us. Do you mind if I just spend two, three minutes more and fill in this bad boy up and I will be out of here? And he was like, didn't respond. So I'm like, okay, super fast, super fast, super fast. And I packed that baby so full. It was probably like 165 pounds because each of our bags can hold like 15 to 20 pounds extra. Okay. And as it's filled up, I lift it up with my entire existence, I'm trying to bring it to my lap. I got it into my lap. I'm trying to wrap my, all of a sudden, super short arms around this <laughs> massive amount of mass. Yeah. Right? I grab onto it and I try to stand up. Well, meanwhile, I'm looking at this guy and he's already like, he's already laughing pretty hard, right? Because he see my struggle. I'm like, I got it, I got it, I got it. So I'm walking with it now backward, leaning in the sand, trying to work with 150 pounds. It was a shocker. And then I had another 200 yards to get to my, you know, parking spot. 
wow, what a humbling experience that was. So ever since that day, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to dominate this 150 pounder. And as you say, that lift, lifting the 150 pound savage sandbag with like your hands as hooks, yeah. you can grip onto the material of the sandbag. It's not a barbell. It's not a kettlebell handle. It is a mass of body that constantly shifts from one rep to the other. So you can head down and grab it the same way as you did. And then it slips out because the sand shifts a little bit within the back. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a fucking tool. Sorry to curse. You're good. They're so fun though, because of just the different ways um, that doing exercises that you've always done feel like completely different things. And completely. The, one of the things that I really enjoyed kind of exploring with um, and understanding as I was, as I was doing this, was even with just overhead presses and i and i came yeah. to uh i came to understand through some uh some explanation and some coaching by a man named julian pano uh who has a company called strong fit and he actually does sandbags as well and his in uh, yes um, but he explained that we uh, like the way that our our upper bodies are designed to press we're actually much more efficient pressers when our palms are facing each other uh, and so as we press with the sandbag, holding it right here versus like holding right. a barbell where my palms are facing out and my shoulders are really kind of locked into this rigid position pressing here makes sense. I'm able to access a lot more of my pec and front delt and, and even stabilize into the lap more as I press when palms are here. And like, he's, he's saying this to me and I'm listening and I'm like, okay, I understand that I need to go feel it though. So like I go out and I, and I grab and I think I was only, I, I think it was like maybe a 75 or 80 pound bag. So not super heavy, but again, like pressing overhead but still, that's, yes, yes, press, yes. and then you get that sucker here and you're holding between your hands and you press and you're just like, Oh, I'm literally feeling it. Like my, at the very bottom lat attachment in my spine. And like, I was just everywhere. Yeah. Like, okay, there's something to this. And that's like one of those, you hit the, you have those moments like you did just carrying that bag back. We're like, something is there's, there's something to this. And I want to know, I want to explore some more and, uh, and, and find out all the ways that I can utilize this and, and, and all the different aspects of, of training. Yes. I think that the sandbag itself takes us back immediately to a primal existence. And I don't have to go back to when we were living in cage in caves. I'm not referring to that, but like my grand grand my grandfather and you know all my ancestors before him, they were working the farms. You know, they were yeah. lifting up bags, heavy bags with soil or with food or whatever it might be. It's like that's how you train your body. And these guys were fucking savages. Yeah. They weren't getting their strength from, you know, having two dumbbells to to look a certain way. That shift happened. I don't know exactly when it took place, but like the whole desire to look a certain way overtook our ability to actually perform as a motherfucking unit. Now all of a sudden we're splitting our body up into different muscle groups and training on Tuesdays back and by and then chest and try and then we do calves on one day and then we do a little bit of a cardio, you know, on a Friday. But it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like that whole narrative of the fitness blueprint, I've been trying to question that from the moment that I found out that, hey, somebody's actually listening to me when I'm sharing things on Instagram and on TikTok for example, I'm going to continue pushing everything that I feel is fucking wrong. Yeah. Not wrong. Let me let me take the word wrong back. I'm thinking that there's so much more 
to experiencing and feeling fulfillment if you base your training on performance rather than only to look a certain way. You being not happy with yourself because you're not at 6% body fat when, you know, according to your plan that you follow, you should be at 5 at this time. Like, how the fuck? You will never be satisfied if you look inside of the mirror and be like, no, not today either. My symmetrical shape is not there. Like, I, I understand that training focus and I welcome everybody to participate in some form of, you know, building of their physique, but performance focus will build character, not only muscles, but it will build character. So these young kids that are now in front of their phone and constantly seeing, you know, all juiced up trend um, junkies pushing shit into their system and like, hey, bro, all you need to do is buy my protein powder and you as well can look like me like that. Who the fuck came up with that stupid idea? And these kids are like, okay, okay, I need to have trend. Yes, check. And I need to have protein powder and pre-workout. Check, check, check. And then I need to consume multiple energy drinks throughout the day and forget about sleep. You know, there's nothing that an energy drink can fix in the morning and I'm heading to the gym and this vicious cycle like if we go down that rabbit hole there's so much that is for free that should not be fucking in our face social media should be used as an asset it should not be used as a comparison tool porn being so accessible to us I used to remember when I was a kid and seeing like magazines at the gas station that had nude women but they were all in plastic and you really had to like scoop like really far up to see what those breasts look like like that's what that was my experience with like of another woman nowadays you just you can jump on a Pornhub and like click categories from A to Z exactly what you want I don't think that this is so good you know what I'm saying like these kids have porn social media energy drinks very fucked up role models portraying an image of how a man should look like so all of a sudden you have no foundation to build character you're only focusing on building a certain type of look but building character by pushing your fucking self being able to run for lift heavy lift your body weight swim in the ocean go out when it's super cold like there's so much more fulfillment in my humble opinion coming from that and not only that but the the thing that they they're they're chasing often at the beginning with that aesthetic right uh what they're actually looking like that actually ends up happening too just as a byproduct of doing all of the things that you're saying, it's not but 100%, but it's not the thing that you're chasing. It just ends up happening because of yes. all of the other things. It reminds me of a, uh, a story of another, um, another coach named Max out of at, back in California. And he was telling the story one time he was training a, he was training a woman who like had just the number on the scale thing where like right. was her everything she focused on was this number on the scale and and she was you know fit she was like a former gymnast she wasn't overweight or obese she was actually really fit she was like he said like 121 pounds or something like that but she said she had to be at 117 like one like she had to be at one and, and he's like well why and she couldn't give a good reason he's like so it's just about a lower number on the scale then right and so she's like yeah. And he's like, okay, well let's just start weighing in, in, in kilograms instead. 
because that number is going to be <laughs> yes. way lower. He's like, that's going to be, that's going to be like 50 something kilos. 50 is going to be way lower than 117. If that's all you're looking for, then let's just do that and get around. Yes. And I, so, <laughs> so good. Such a good advice, man. Yeah. Like, like it's funny how, how things have progressed from, you know, fitness throughout the time that you and I have been alive. Like how each decade will focus on different aspects of training. Like yeah. there was the weight, it was the scale then it was a bmi then it was like okay the bodybuilding phase and then everybody looked so like what the fuck is this guy doing who's doing crossfit what the fuck is that about then crossfit had its stage or main stage for some time being Mm -hmm. um and and i think that the main thing that as a young savage or even for us who are a little bit older never fucking stop testing new things i have a very hard time with people who are like you know what i'm a runner i don't lift weights ah i'm a bodybuilder i do not run or you know what i'm a yogi i do not swing kettlebells why do you want to categorize yourself into something only when we have this long of a timeline that we call life and then after that we're gone like contrast makes life I'm telling you when Kelly my wife first introduced me to yoga I was like this is like mixed martial arts with myself yeah. it's the most <laughs> toughest fucking thing I've ever done I'm trying to bend and maneuver and I'm almost feeling like I'm choking myself out like yeah. involuntarily I can't breathe like holy shit and then swimming in the ocean oh my god like and then people choose to you know what uh, I don't eat uh, meat I don't eat plants like my wife and I she have introduced us to try being raw vegan vegan vegetarian carnivore pescatarian only because we wanted to understand how these ways of eating would benefit us or not benefit us now I know what works best for me now she knows what works best for her but to have the fitness industry just push into your mouth hole that you need to eat you know white rice chicken asparagus spinach and a few protein shakes come on bro there there, there should be so much more to that and there is so much more to that there's a fucking birthright of ours that we need to understand what cold water therapy does to our body and that doesn't mean that you need to have a, a tub with ice no you can go into the fucking shower and take a cold shower the first thing in the morning the amount of benefits that that brings to us is fucking enormous what happens to our body when we don't eat like fasting intermittent fasting okay i'm not saying that intermittent fasting is a solution for every problem but to stay away from food actually activates our autophagy which is our recycling feature that our body kicks into and gets rid of dysfunctional cells on a fucking cellular basis but this is how we can get fucking rid of diseases and shit that goes on in our body that we have no idea about. Like these things should be given to us, but nobody can monetize on the fact that you're not eating mm-hmm. or the fact that you are actually sleeping well. Okay, how can we go to bed and sleep more rather than having to have to have all these influences? Like, bro, if you don't wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning, you are not successful. Okay, I understand the concept of waking up early and getting your day started. But what if you get four hours of sleep? You will be lethargic as fuck. Yeah. Rather, set a fucking timer that today at 8 p.m. I'm closing off all devices, my phone shut off. 
my TV. No, I'm not watching anything after eight. So you can get into your circadian rhythm and you can get a fucking nice amount of melatonin production happening without you interrupting that with blue light coming into your retina and having your mind think that, hey, it's fucking daylight. We should not be sleeping. Now let's produce some more cortisol and adrenaline. Like there's, why don't people talk about these days? Well, it can't be monetized. Yep. You know, the more time we spend on our phone, the better, the bigger, the more money the big man gets, you know? So exactly. And we need to do our part even better here. You and me. <laughs> That's right. Let everybody fucking know. The, the thing that, um, that I immediately think of when you're, when you're giving those examples as it relates to fasting or as it relates to sleep in those two examples, just this, you know, and it goes back to the name of your page exit comfort zone. Right. But, uh, even, even so with those things, you should still be able to operate in less than optimal conditions. So like, yes, yes, we can do everything that we can to get the best amount of sleep and do all this stuff. But you know, sometimes you're just not going to get it. And and maybe sometimes things are going to happen. You're only going to get three hours. That doesn't give you an excuse to then back off the rest of your day and use, Oh, I didn't get enough sleep. I, I can't train today. I need to do that. You know what? You just better have to, you, sometimes you just might have to do it anyways, because that step it can be just as beneficial for, but from a mental standpoint, not necessarily yes. like you're going to, maybe it's not going to be immediately beneficial physically, but you're going to take some steps mentally. And that's the, and it's the same thing with, with eating. Like I uh, trying to remember who I heard it was, it was a, it was a doctor somewhere who does, he's in the really big performance realm stuff, does a lot of like stuff with high level athletes. And he was talking about fasting and he said, you know, um, do you know how many millions, tens of millions of people who have never gone in the, in the States, you know, specifically because elsewhere it's probably not like this, but have never gone a day in their life without eating three meals a day. Yeah. You know, like it, it and like never in their life. I mean, it, there's some people no. like in their sixties that have gone 60 something years without missing a day of eating three meals. And like, right. That is unheard of throughout like all of human history, basically. Yes. And, and for those things that you're talking about with cell autophagy and recycling and cleaning out all this stuff and helping stave off, you know, what arguably are a lot of preventable diseases, you know, based off of lifestyle, but there's things that we wouldn't even, like we just have these luxuries of that we just get sucked into. That's the thing. It's a luxury. It's 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 a it's a false false conception of how health looks like, how wealth looks like. Hey, I'm able to feed myself, you know, five meals per day every third hour because that's what keeps the metabolism going, right? Like right. that breakfast is like. I'm not saying that everybody should avoid breakfast, but if you look at any public store here in the United States and you go in through the aisles and you see what you're supposed to be eating according to the food industry, according to the snack industry, aisles and aisles and aisles, you should start off your day with cereal, white bread, butter, bacon, cheese, eggs, which is obviously the best choice of all of them, peanut butter, jelly, I have no idea, like pancakes, waffles, like really, is it how you break fast? That's what breakfast stands for, break fucking fast. Mm -hmm. Okay, who said that, who came up with that concept that you have to eat all of that fucking garbage the very first thing in the morning, but it becomes like copy paste, nobody questions and hey, it's what we do, you know, it's like going to Publix, if it's there, it's supposed to be healthy, right? Mm -hmm. And then meanwhile, 
the smallest part of every Publix is the fresh produce section. It's like this tiny compared to aisles and aisles of snacks and this and this. This was a side note, but just to further highlight the point that you're making here, how important it is to understand what the fuck happens to our body when we stay away from food or when we get more sleep or when we don't get sleep but still push through and like what happens when we actually kick into our circadian rhythm and we have melatonin production actually taking place these things are fucking everybody should know about these things rather than well you know monster is a great energy drink this and this and this is a great energy drink i'm just gonna slam a few of those and all of a sudden i feel great again yeah like what the yeah and and speaking of breaking fast, the videos that you've been posting for the last couple of weeks of just the table full of food that you've been breaking your really long fast with are so great, man. I love like because half of them, like I think you're done showing all the food and then you keep going for like another 20 seconds of like all the things <laughs> that you're breaking a fast because you're doing like 20 something hour around 20 hours most of the time. Right. Is that where you are? Right. Eight, eight, I'd say 18 to 20 hours. Okay. Um and and uh, this was actually kind of funny because on TikTok, um, there's a, a guy, he's also on Instagram, but uh, Paul Saladino yeah. um, is a very, to many, controversial individual. And some people question everything that he is saying. Some people, like always, are open-minded to see what the fuck he is saying. Sure. And him together with Liver King, as of now, are perhaps the two most recognized individuals who are portraying more of a carnivore yep. um, diet eating you know bulls testicles and whatnot now <laughs> if you if you step back a little bit and you kind of modify that type of philosophy and you listen to what paul saladino and other great people are actually trying to say it becomes kind of interesting so i read his book the carnivore code and there was a lot of things that came to my mind based upon my and my wife's experience with being vegan and raw vegan there was great things coming from that but there was also things that was like i'm not sure if this is sitting so well with me and i used to take such great pride in creating the most quote-unquote superfood smoothie sure. with you know spinach two different kinds of kales in with it, turmeric in abundance, uh, like everything, chia seeds, flax seeds, nuts, blah, blah, blah. I made it all, but it never sat well with me. And I always fucking passed out as soon as I had that giant fucking 48 ounces of, of smoothie. I was like, I'm fulfilling myself on all levels. I was thinking in my head. Well, he breaks it down a little bit more that many plants do not want to be consumed. Okay, there's defense chemicals within each of these plants because they cannot run away from you and they cannot fight you like a, you know, any game can do, for example, game meets. Um, so that, that logically made, made a little bit more sense to me than anything else, right? Sure. So I, I started to try out eating more animal products. I haven't ventured into organs yet. I haven't had liver because I can't source it. I don't know where to source it. Yeah. Um, so it has, it has been more like meat, but the greatest realization, my wife comes from Trinidad and Tobago and she is used to consuming so much like mangoes, tropical fruits, you know, mango, papaya, yeah. um, pineapple, all of that great stuff. So by, for me coming from Sweden, 
I mean, we eat kilos or pounds of potatoes every single week. And I have been for the longest. But I realized like all of those starches sitting in my belly, I used to fill myself up with like 10 potatoes every meal. It didn't sit well with me. And some of you listening out there right now, like, oh, dog, like 10 potatoes sounds a little too much, but wouldn't sit well with anybody. You don't, you don't, yeah. Where I come from, that's like the norm, right? Um, it's funny how many different kinds of potato recipes sweets know, right? It's like from wedges to uh, oven baked in different shapes and forms. Like there's man, so I'm, many varieties. I'm from Idaho. You're in. Um, you're talking to the potato land over here, okay. man. So, okay, okay, <laughs> we're on very the same good. Page. <laughs> we're on the same page. So I started to avoid rice, potatoes, pasta, and put in more fruits and animal products like steaks and ground beef and all that stuff and holy shit what a difference it made to me it made a huge of a difference from an inflammation standpoint mm. like I felt like the rice and potatoes that I constantly had it was like sitting perfectly on my sides constantly and I felt in my face I was bloated so avoiding that shit had definitely increased my level of performance alertness awakeness and i realized that that works for me personally yeah i would not have got to this point unless i was open-minded and open-hearted to try new things which kind of talks back about what we were talking about before how contrast makes life mm -hmm. i love that man and i think that's actually a pretty killer spot to kind of wrap it up I, we're coming right up on an hour i know you said you got a around an hour so man I had a blast today, Richard. Thank you for coming. Me too, man. I am I am so grateful for you, and I cannot wait to have my wife and I feature and do marketing for this great episode. You know, because we need to be the most downloaded ever in the history of <laughs> the Nomad Strength Podcast. End of story. Like that. I love it. That has to happen. <laughs> well, uh, be before you head out, where where are all of the, yes. the links and and everything that people can find you guys at that you want to plug? right here uh, that's a good question uh, mr mrs love.com mrmrs love.com that's our main site where we feature majority of our services and products um, so that's a great start on on Instagram uh, we are open Oracle and exit comfort zone mm -hmm. and on TikTok we are exit comfort zone as well so we are spread on most platforms and uh, mr mrs love.com is the main hub Awesome. Well, thank you again, Richard. I really appreciate it, brother. I appreciate you, brother.